Hey, it's Sean from the Commander's Brew. Before we get to this episode, I've got a very important announcement to make. I'm switching podcast hosts. Normally, I wouldn't have to say anything, but modern podcast hosting is pretty advanced, and the way I've been doing things is pretty old-fashioned. So it's not as simple as just updating the feed and then you don't notice anything. If you want to keep listening to this show, and I really hope you do, you'll have to click the link in the show notes. That'll take you to the new feed, and you can subscribe there. I'll keep publishing episodes on this feed until sometime the end of January, that should give people enough time to switch over to the new feed. And if you're coming back from the future and you're wondering why there hasn't been an update since sometime in January, this is why. I've got so many new episodes for you over on the new link. Anyway, here's this episode. Hey, it's Ron from the Commander's Brew. Thanks for listening. This is going to be the end of the year, which is coming out at the beginning of the new year. So, but it's a retrospective on 2022. I'm going to talk about all the commanders that I thought were pretty interesting that I didn't get a chance to do an episode on. And the reason I didn't get a chance to do an episode on it is because about 335 new commanders came out in 2022, and I don't do a daily podcast. That's a ton. I'm going to get into it in a second. I'm going to include a little bit of a Scryfall search tip so that you can make some cool searches yourself if you want to kind of look at this list and see if I missed any that you would have done. Just in case, I do have a link in the show notes that you can look at all the cards I'm going to talk about. That also happens to be the TCG player link. So if while you're there, if you want to buy any cards, that would help out as well. And the most direct way to help out the show is through patreon.com slash commandersbrew. I guess we sort of ended up right in the business part of the show. I'm conditioned. Anyway, here's a couple of ads, a fake one and a real one. Do you love the spirit of gift giving and you're not looking forward to the rest of the year being a dull and dreary time without a lot of gifts going around? Well then you need the Phyrexian Subscription Fun Box by Darksteel Industries. Each month we'll send a package to your door with lots of fun stuff in it, like a t-shirt of your favorite Praetor, either size 4XL or Super Ultra Diminutive, a sticker, a cool ice cube tray to make ice cubes in the shape of Phyrexian incantation runes, jiggle them around in your glass, try to read what they say out loud while no light of the sun can be seen from from your position. All of these things and more sent to you monthly for the low subscription cost of whatever you think is fair. Cancel any time! And now the real ad from the Wizard's Tower. WizardTower.com, your website for cool articles on different decks, different formats, metagames, all sorts of fun strategy guides. And if you're listening from Canada, you can use coupon code BREWBROTHERS to get discount on your magic singles. That's the perfect kind of deal for someone who likes to actually know what they're getting when things get sent to because you picked it. Now, back to the show. All right, let's get to this. So Scryfall is a very powerful search engine, and here's how I found all of the commanders that came out in 2022. It is possible I missed a couple, but I think this is a robust search. It's, I think I'll put the search in the show notes as well in case you want to look along. But Scryfall allows you to put a lot of terms in, and you can do year equals 2022. That basically is the key piece of this. It only gives us cards that were released in 2022. Now. A lot of cards get released that are reprints. So we're also going to put minus is colon reprint. Is reprint would only give us the reprints. Minus is is kind of the way to do the opposite. So we're getting the opposite of all the reprints, which is to say all the new cards. Now we also got an infinity set. So some of the cards are legal for commander. Some of the cards are not legal for the commander. So one way we can cover that is by typing legal colon commander. This will only return cards that are legal in the format that we know and love so dearly. You can also say minus is colon funny to filter out all the funny cards, which are considered all the infinity stuff. But that leaves a little bit of a gap 
Because what if, let's just say hypothetically, I mean, this would never happen, right? What are the chances this would ever happen with a well-oiled machine that Wizards of the Coast is and their design team? But let's say they introduced a new legendary creature in a year, and in that same year, they had to ban it in Commander. I don't know, like maybe if they introduced a new mechanic that allowed cards to start outside of your deck you only had to do a some sort of brewing restriction to allow them in a different zone like maybe a companion zone or something i'm talking about lutri lutri came out and was banned all in one year so if we did minus is funny we would see lutri if we do legal colon commander we don't see lutri so it kind of covers us in a little bit better that way i also like to do minus is colon digital because i don't want to see all those arena only cards that came out they made a lot of arena only versions of cards from the baldur's gate set and well we can't play commander on arena so i'm not interested and now the only thing left is to search for legendary creatures however there are legendary creatures there are legendary artifact creatures, the Transformers, and there are legendary enchantment creatures from Neon Dynasty. In the future, perhaps there will be legendary sorcery creatures or legendary land creatures. I mean, that probably already could happen. I don't know. So to make sure we're covered, we're going to go type, which is T. T colon. I'm going to do a forward slash legendary. I'm going to do dot star. The dot star is a way of telling Scryfall, you got a bunch of business in between here. You might have a word in the middle, you might not. And then creature, and then the other forward slash. Forward slashes instead of quotes. That allows that dot star thing to work. If this is confusing, don't worry about it. It gets pretty complicated, but trust me, that's one, that one returns all of the legendary blank creatures, whether they have something in the blank or nothing. But that's not all. We're going to put that in parentheses because we need an or. So it's type legendary something creature or T colon no sorry not type oracle text we're looking we're, we're looking for any card that is a legendary something creature or any card that has the text this can be your commander on it right we had elminster we had some vehicle from neon dynasty that could be our commander so we're gonna also say or o for oracle text colon quotation can be your commander end quotes Whew. anyway if you do that you get something like 335 cards it's ridiculous, but I'm going to go through them. And honestly, I forgot about a lot of them. I think the, the silver lining here, it sounds like a lot and it is overwhelming. I am overwhelmed, but I've already forgotten so many of these commanders. Like, I don't think I really fully thought about and or read all of the Street Fighters, for example. I didn't really dig into the Unfinity cards yet. So this has been a fun exercise to actually get into that. There's some fun stuff happening here. I'm going to do my best to go chronologically. I'm going to lump all the commander decks in with the regular sets that they came with. So the first ones that came out were the Street Fighters. There are regular MTG equivalents of these if you're not a fan of universes within so you can play a version of this that is not a street fighter but i'm going to talk about them like they're street fighters because i do like street fighter so first up is ken burning brawler it's boros because of an activated because of an activated ability and we've got one red red for a four two with prowess whenever we cast spells ken gets a bit bigger we can pay a hybrid red or white boros ken gets first strike until end of turn Four power, first strike, pretty good. And whenever Ken deals combat damage, you may cast a sorcery spell from your hand with mana value less than or equal to that damage without paying its mana cost. This is awesome. Very powerful commander. We obviously want to give it haste because the sooner we can cast that free spell, the better. We do want to give our opponents an 
chance to eliminate Ken before a turn goes around. But we've got a pretty big power. We can give it first strike, so it's hard to chump. They can't first strike us back to prevent the damage from happening. Because notice it does not say deals combat damage to a player. Ken just has to deal combat damage. Even if Ken dies, we get to do this. But I hope he won't because he's got prowess and first strike and a lot of those like single red mana plus three plus oh type of things with prowess that becomes a plus four plus one we've got the option to spend another mana to give ken first strike which would be eight power i mean this could be voltron too and then we get that free spell so i mean i'm thinking stuff like mana geyser to just load up our mana pool with mana we have to use those for instance because you know we're getting the mana right during, after the combat damage, but before combat ends. I love a Reconstruct History in a Boros deck. That's the one, it's the four mana sorcery from Strixhaven, where you return a whole bunch of cards up to one artifact, up to one enchantment card, up to one instant, up to one sorcery, and up to one planeswalker from your graveyard to your hand. Everything but a creature. And a land. And then something like Wheel of Fate. That's the suspend Wheel of Fortune. So normally you have to suspend it for four by paying one in red, but now we just get to put it in, we just get to cast it. We don't even have to suspend it. So free Wheels of Fortune. And this one's only three bucks as opposed to the real Wheel of Fortune, which is like $90. I don't even know what it is. I'm going to look it up. Oh, I was wrong. It's three hundred dollars <laughs> jeez i mean it is the reserve list and it is a very valuable card in commander so okay one other street fighter that seems interesting to me is zangief the red cyclone this is a lot like the the big mardu zergo except this one's jund two black red green uh must be blocked if able if it's your turn zangief's indestructible we're a seven four and here's the difference here whenever zangief deals damage to a creature if that creature was dealt excess damage that creature's controller sacrifices a non-creature non-land permanent. Zangief's indestructible, seven power, must be blocked. We are certainly going to deal excess damage to a creature. And again, they were real loose with the wording here. I'm used to this saying, if it destroys a creature and it was dealt excess damage, doesn't have to be destroyed. If they chump with a little zero one, what is it, the little, you, you put that little enchantment on a creature to make it a zero one indestructible bug, Zangief still works on it. I guess they could sacrifice that bug, get, it, get presumably get their commander back. But you get where I'm going with this. They can't get out of it unless the thing has more than seven or seven or more toughness. Then it won't be dealt excess damage. They have to sacrifice a non-creature, non-land permanent. The creature we hit probably died. I guess they have to sacrifice a non-creature, so they can't sacrifice that bug. Anyway, I'm interested in something like a lure for this. If I force you to block with all your creatures, I will probably be able to do excess damage to a couple of them. And I think other cards that might go fun in a Zangief brew are just any Anything that takes advantage when things get sacrificed. Mayhem Devil, whenever a player sacrifices a permanent, us or them, one damage to any target. Mazarek gives a plus one plus one counter on all of our creatures whenever anyone sacks a permanent. And then of course, since Zangief is indestructible on our term, things like Crux of Fate, any of those destroy all creature type of things work excellent. Moving on to Neon Dynasty. From the commander deck, I like Kaima of the Fractured Calm. This is a four mana gruel commander, three three spirit. And at the beginning of your end step, you go to each creature that your opponents control that is enchanted by an aura you control. And you put a plus one plus one counter on Kaima for each creature that is goaded this way. So obviously we need to look for enchantments that go good on our opposing creatures. So, you know, things like Rancor is great. Single green, plus two, plus oh, trample. And whenever a Rancor goes to the graveyard, we get it back. So as this goaded creature is flying around the board, if they get into some sort of situation where the creature ends up dying, we get our enchantment back. 
It only causes us one. Aspect of the mongoose is interesting because it doesn't actually augment the creature at all. It just gives it shroud. Enchanted creature, enchanted creature has shroud. And also, when aspect of mongoose goes to the graveyard, we put it back in our hand. The disadvantage here is that Kaima does not have any sort of like protection. And if they get rid of Kaima and they are no longer goaded, they will most likely come straight at us. We need to make sure we protect our commander. Shorakai Genesis Engine is the vehicle that says this can be your commander. It's a 4-mana Azorius vehicle. It's an 8-8. And it has an ability. 1 tap, draw 2, discard 1. Create a 1-1 pilot token with this creature cruise vehicles as though its power were 2 greater. And it crews for 8. So if each of these 1-1s crews as if it had power 3, it takes us 3 little creatures to crew this thing. But I think paying 1 mana to get a token is good, as well as going up a card with selection. Draw two, discard one. This is an Azorius commander, so I think it's a non, not so threatening Azorius commander. We probably want to do a typical control shell, some wraths, some counter spells, that sort of thing. And if our opponents don't force us to take action, we get to draw a card, we get to make a little token. I mean, we'll probably do that anyway, even if they do force us to take action. But we get to keep our hand loaded with good stuff filter away the stuff we don't need right now, and we get a little team going. Nice card. And the bonus is we can attack with it if we needed to. Hidetsugu Devouring Chaos. I've used this card in a few brews this year, but I do love it. It's a 4-mana Ogre Demon 4-4 with the sack outlet, black, sack a creature, scry 2, but also 2 and a red, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn, and when you exile a non-land card, we do damage equal to the mana value to any target. So obviously we want high mana values that get to be cast for cheap. Shadow of Mortality is the biggest now, I think. It's still 50 cents. Oh, it's a quarter. Uh, this is the 15 mana 7-7 avatar. If your life total is less than your starting total, this spell costs X less, where X is the difference. So as long as we've lost 13 or more life, this thing costs black black, but it is 15 at the top of the card. So if Hidetsugu flips this, we get to do 15 somewhere. Murderous Cut, classic 5 mana delve, destroy target creature. It's 5 up top, but we often only pay 1 for it. And then neat cards like Scheming Symmetry. That's the single black sorcery tutor. That's already up to 5 bucks. Choose two players, each of them searches their library for a card, shuffles, and puts that card on top. So we get to know what we have on top with Hidetsugu, and they get to put something too. Tough one to make deals with, though. You can say, like, I'll make you a deal. If you promise to tutor up something that deals with this thing, I promise to do something else. There's really no way to hold them accountable unless they didn't destroy the thing. Maybe they already had a card in their hand and they tutored something else. I don't know. I think it's interesting, though. Moving on to New Capenna. I like Best Soul Nourisher for the simplicity. This is the Selesnia 1-1. It's a 3-mana 1-1, 1-1 green, white, human citizen, and it's all about 1-1s. So I think we can put this together real cheap, and it can be pretty effective. Whenever one or more creatures with base power toughness 1-1 enters under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on best soul nourisher. Cool. We're looking for things that make a lot of 1-1s. Tons of token generating. Probably instants and sorceries that do that. And whenever best attacks, each other creature you control that has base power and toughness 1-1, one, one, which is almost all of them, they all get plus X plus X, where X is the number of plus one plus one counters on Bess. So we could get expensive and put the token doublers and the plus one plus one counter doublers, doubling season, for example. But I think that might not be necessary. We just got to run a bunch of cheap spells that make 1-1s. One, Maybe we put a couple spells that add plus one plus one counters to Bess, and we just keep swinging. So now all we need is some protection to protect the team and to protect Bess. We want to make sure Bess can live. 
alive. That's the key. Skute Swarm's nice. That's the three mana insect. Whenever we make a landfall, if we have six lands or more, we double the number of Skute Swarms we have. I mean, we create one, but each one creates one, so it's like doubling. Like There comes a point, if we have enough of these, where just playing a single land adds eight, 16 plus one plus encounters to Bess. And then when she attacks, she's just given all your little tokens that much extra power and toughness. Big swings. Kind of like that big fat rat from the set. The one that just if you have 10 creatures, you get like trample, double strike and everything. It's like a simpler version of that. I also overlooked Oscar Rubbish Reclaimer from the same set. Three black blue human wizard, three, three, but costs one less to cast for each different mana value among cards in your graveyard. So realistically, Oscar's probably coming down for four mana or three mana the first time you cast him. And then whenever you discard a non-land card, you may cast it from your graveyard. So now we want to look for cards that let us discard for effect. Bog Brew Witch is awesome. It's a three mana spell shaper. One, one. We can pay black, tap, and discard a card. And whatever we discard, remember, we get to cast with Oscar. But the effect of Bog Witch is that it adds black, black, black to your mana pool. If we discarded a three drop, it's like we paid one for it using Bog Witch. I think they're trying to make us think that it's like Bog Witch themselves is casting Dark Ritual which is similar to Dreamscape Artist, who it seems like is casting Harrow. This is the blue 1-1 one, one for 2. You pay 3, which is what Harrow costs. You discard a card, which is what you also have to do with Harrow. You sacrifice a land, also Harrow. Search your library for 2 basics, put them in the battlefield, shuffle your library. We're putting them into battlefield untapped, and we've discarded a card. That 2 mana can go towards casting the spell we just discarded. And then something like Grimoire of the Dead is kind of fun. It's that four mana artifact. You can pay one to discard a card and put a study counter on it. And then when you remove three study counters, you sacrifice the grimoire and you put all creatures from all gravers under the battlefield under your control. They are zombies in addition to their other colors and types. You know, we're a Demir. We could probably do some proliferating. Like your opponents will have to deal with this because we will get this up there. And we want ways to discard cards. Discarding cards is like having access to casting them. Looting in general is amazing because... The card we discarded, we can play. Fantastic. Let's move on to Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. There's a couple of commanders here that have background, or that have, you can choose a background, that I'm interested in. Gale Waterdeep Prodigy is the three mana legendary 1-3, that whenever you cast an instant or a sorcery, you get to cast the other one from your graveyard. So I'm blue, ba-doo-dee, ba-doo-da. Uh, I'm interested in instants. I'm going to hold up mana with Gale. I'm going to cast instants, probably counter spells, maybe draw spells, and then I get to cast a sorcery from my graveyard. I have to pay for it, but I'm going to lean pretty heavily on some cheap green ramp, I think, so that in the early game, I can ramp some more. And if I still need to, I can be like, okay, I'm going to do this action and I'm going to also ramp some more. So every time I do anything, I'm still ramping more. That spell will be exiled once I've recast it from the graveyard. But if you build the deck the right way, you get to keep doing this stuff. And there comes a point where now I'm holding up spells and I'm doing some serious damage. I'm doing extra draw from the graveyard. I think it's pretty powerful. And since I'm thinking about green, we have to put something that's green. And there are no green backgrounds that really work with the strategy perfectly. I think Master Chef is the one that lets you all creatures enter with additional plus one plus one counters on it. Or if you just want the cheapest green background possible, that would be Hardy Outlander, one in a green commander creatures you own have. Whenever this creature attacks a player, if they have the highest life total, Another creature you control gets plus X plus X where it's this creature's power. Gale is not a big creature, so I don't think this will do much, but it's just there for the color identity. And then another creature that lets us choose a background is Jahira, Friend of the Forest. This is the three mana two three that says tokens you control have tap at green. 
It turns all tokens into little Lanamore elf type of things. But most notably, artifact tokens don't have summoning sickness. We get to tap artifacts for mana the moment they enter the battlefield for us, as long as they're tokens. So then I want Street Urchin, the red one. One in a red, commander creatures you own have one. Sacrifice another creature or an artifact. This creature deals one damage to any target. So I'm planning on making a bunch of artifact tokens as cheap as possible. Treasure is obviously great, but anything that's an artifact token will be great because they can pay for themselves to deal one damage to any target. I don't know, some random little artifacts token that's not a creature, so it can't be like a servo. I'm thinking scrap that Farid makes. Scrap. It's a good thing. It's not useless. The scrap taps for green. I use that green to pay for the one to sacrifice the scrap. And I do one damage to any target. So my whole army can just self-destruct and pay for itself at any moment I want, as long as they're not creatures, as long as they don't have summoning sickness. I mean, if I put something in the graveyard that gives everything haste, then this does work for creatures. Not hard to do in red. And then with all that mana, I'm just saving up for a huge comet storm. And I've got that backup plan in case someone tries something. Seems fun. Okay, now a couple of commanders that don't have choose a background. So these are the, the full ones. They work by themselves. I like Mazzy, True Store paladin this is naya one red green white three four halfling knight it's got sort of goad whenever an enchanted creature attacks one of your opponents doesn't say who owns the enchantment just has to be attacking one of our opponents it gets plus two plus oh and trample till end of turn rancor whenever an aura you control is put into your graveyard from the battlefield exile it until the next until the end of your next turn you may cast that card like rancor now if we don't cast it it remains in exile but if we do cast it it is in play and it doesn't go back to exile when it dies. I mean, it will with Mazzy's ability, but it's not like stuck. We can't, we're not limited to doing this one time. And notably, it encourages enchanted creatures to attack opponents, but it doesn't force them to. I think this will go a really long way. The fact that it doesn't literally goad them, that you probably will get them to attack each other more this way. Goad's been out a long time. Goad sucks if you're on the receiving end of it. It's great if you're running the show, but people will not do what you force them to do. And if you do with goad, they'll be like, okay, well, I'm killing your commander that's giving you goad and I'm only attacking you because you did that to me. But with Mazzy, they come up with the idea themselves. They're like, well, you know, I might as well attack this person. I'm getting that bonus. They can attack us. But they don't get the bonus. I think specifically, if we are interested in casting things on our opponents, we can make it seem like a deal. And we'll be like, hey, what if I do, you know, if, if would you like an enchantment to, it'll, it'll only help you. This enchantment won't be bad for you. That'll help you attack this other player. And then you do something like Flickering Ward. It's a single white. And when you play it, you choose a color. An enchanted creature gets protection from the chosen color. And then you can pay a white to return Flickering Ward to your hand. So I've got red, green, and white creatures, but I don't have any blue creatures. So maybe I say, okay, I'll give you protection from blue. So now you can attack that player who has all these blue drakes. They can't even block. And if they do want to come at me, I can block them. So it becomes an interesting where it's like, well, maybe I don't want to do that. And if they call your bluff and they're like, no, I'm still attacking you. It's like, okay, I'll just return this to my hand. I suppose there's room for the fake out too, where you're like, Hey, I'm hoping you attack this opponent over here. I'll give you protection from green. Wink, wink. You're not winking. And they're like, well, now that I've got protection from green, now you can't block me. But you can return this to your hand and then you can block them. Interesting card. Nero, Wild Mage. I overlooked her before. She's is it, And it's a bit of a slot machine commander. But now I've come around and I think this might be fun. Six mana, two, seven, Elf Shaman. Whenever you cast a spell, you may put it on the bottom of its owner's library. And if you do... Reveal cards until you reveal a non-land card. You may cast it without paying its mana cost. Then, put the rest on the bottom in a random order. 
This ability triggers only once each turn. Only once each turn. We are hoping to cast a one mana instant spell, probably a cantrip, and we're hoping to flip it into a humongous spell. At first, I didn't like the odds. It's like, it's hard to brew that way. You have to put a ton in and some of them work, some of them don't. Like it sucks to just cantrip into cantrips over and over. If I'm able to do four per turn cycle, I think the odds get pretty good. I'm not going to go 50-50 tiny spells to huge spells, but I don't think you have to go 50-50 to make this worthwhile. Some of the big ones I'm interested in are things like Amanatu's Augury. Eight mana to exile the top eight cards of your library. You put a land into the battlefield and until the end of turn, for each non-land card type, you may cast a card of that type from among the exile cards without paying its mana cost. Or even Mnemonic Deluge. It's a nine mana spell, exile an instant or sorcery from a grave and copy it three times. Very strong card. Still less than two bucks. From Dominaria, I am interested in General Marholt Eld's Dragon. This is the four mana four four gruel. Whenever a creature you control becomes blocked, it gets plus three plus three for each creature blocking it until end of turn. That's a lot of power and toughness. Four fours like General Marholt become seven sevens it doesn't give trample though so i definitely want something to get trample i definitely want lure effects because if i can make you block with your whole team and your whole team is like one ones like as long as your whole team is three three or smaller i will always be at par with your creatures or, or outpaced so you'll never get this unless you get death touch or something speaking of death touch Death Touch Trample is the perfect combo with this. There is no way to do that with one piece of equipment without going through some hoops first. But this is where, like I had, I don't think I forgot the elegance of this pairing. The Bow of Nylea and Nylea herself, original Nylea, God of the Hunt. The Bow gives all of your creatures Death Touch and... Nylea gives all of your creatures trample. They have other abilities too. I'm not going to go into them now. They're fun. Combine that with a bit of a lure, either lure itself or something like Nemesis Mask. Nemesis Mask is nice because it's an equipment, so we can, it has the lure effect, but we can equip it for three and move it around. So as creatures die, we can make sure we still have this effect on board. Seems very strong. And also from this set, Stang Echo Warrior. I just think the potential to break this card is so high. It's a four mana gruel human warrior, three, four. And whenever he attacks, you make a copy of it, a, a a legendary 3-4 red and green human warrior creature token. It enters the battlefield tapped and attacking, and it also comes with a copy of each aura and equipment that was on it before. Then you sack it at the end of the turn. The potential here, we can do things that bring other things with it. So much good stuff. I, I just want to mention Pattern of Rebirth. It's a four mana enchantment. Whenever this creature dies, that creature's controller searches for a creature, puts it right into play. The Stang Twin will come in with Pattern of Rebirth, and the Twin gets sacrificed at the end of the turn, so we will definitely get a free creature every turn. Fantastic. The 40k set. Man, this set gave us a ton of juicy, juicy cards. If I had more time, I probably would have done an episode on Abaddon the Despoiler. This is the 5 mana Grixis commander. 5-5 five, five with Trample. And during your turn, as long as your opponents have lost some life, X or less life. That's the way it's worded. See, I'm trying to change the way the words to make more sense to talk about it if you don't know the card, but it's hard to mess around with the templating. It's a five mana, five, five with trample. And there's an X. The X refers to the total amount of life your opponents have lost this turn. So if your opponents have lost five life, cumulate like the across the board during your turn, spells you cast from your hand with mana value X or less, five or less in this case, have cascade. So if we can do six or seven damage, combat damage is fine. That basically says all of our spells have cascade. All the ones we cast from our hand. The potential to break this is incredible. So we want ways to do a lot of damage real quick. 
I would rather it didn't have to be in our combat step because I might want to use that combat step to do even more damage. There's plenty of enchantments that just do damage during upkeeps and artifacts and things like that. We can look towards creatures that when they die, they deal damage places. We can sacrifice those. That's I'm not going to go too deep there. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just not going to think about that part too much, but I just want to highlight what you do with the other stuff. We obviously, again, want spells that with big mana values that we can cast for cheap if it turns out that way. Like, I love a treasure cruise for this reason. Treasure cruise is still a quarter. It's an eight mana sorcery, but has delve, so I can probably cast it for a single blue. But if I do, it counts as an eight for cascade, and I get to hit a seven drop with it. So for a single blue, I've drawn three cards and cast a seven drop, potentially. Fantastic. Blood for the Blood God came with this deck, I believe. I came with one of the decks. It's the Rakdos one. It's 11 mana instant, but it costs one less for each creature that died this turn. Again, if we're sacking creatures to do some damage, then this thing gets super cheap anyway. Although you'll see why that's redundant because the effect of this card is discard your hand, draw eight cards, and then this deals eight damage to each opponent. Exile the card. So we will, you know, if we're going to assume a three-player game as we, or four-player game as we often do, there's three opponents. That's 24 damage. Any spell that's X equals 24 or less has Cascade. And we've paid three mana to do it. If a ton of creatures got sacrificed. That's why we don't need to sacrifice to do damage to, like, th that, that part's redundant. But drawing eight cards is wonderful. And then I think we got to kind of storm it up, right? Like, let's put in a ton of cards that make spells cheaper. Nightscape familiar to make blue and red spells one cheaper. Jace's Sanctum to make instants and sorceries one cheaper. Primal Amulet to make instants and sorceries one cheaper. So now, not only are we giving more things, we're able to cast more things from our hand when we have the triggers available to us. Also from the 40k set is Naam Shai Murad. That's the four mana Orzov one. It's the very political one. So whenever we deal combat damage to a player with this commander, um, you may have them return target permanent from their graveyard to their hand. And if we let them do that, they choose a permanent in our graveyard and we put that back into, into the battlefield. So they get a card to hand, we get a card into play. We can make a deal. We can negotiate, hey, um, I'm going to hit you with this, and but I'll give you this card back to your hand from your graveyard. Does that sound interesting to you? What would you give me back from my graveyard? And, you know, you'll work out a deal that is mutually acceptable. But I think the challenge, I, I love a challenging brew. I would love to challenge myself and see, can I do this in a way where they don't have a choice? I'm going to give you something bad back from your graveyard, and then you must choose something from my graveyard. And I'm going to keep my graveyard lean, so you have to choose good stuff. Like I said about Delve, Murderous Cut. Delve out the creatures I don't want. Lion Sash, that's that... Uh, it's that living equipment from Neon Dynasty reconfigure. So we can pay white to exile a card from a graveyard. Great. Unlicensed hearse is over 10 bucks. I don't know why, but we can just tap it to exile two cards from a graveyard. And then when we crew it for two, its power and toughness is equal to the number of cards exiled with it. So this thing also gets pretty big. But again, we keep our graveyard empty except for exactly what we want. And then we got like L Orik the Lore Mage, although that has to be a, uh, a spell. No, this has to be permanent. So Orik doesn't work. Uh, I'm looking ahead to the next card, which is in Infinity, which we'll get to now. Infinity gave us Magar of the Magic Strings. This is the Rakdos 3-3. You pay three, note the name of an instant or sorcery in your graveyard, put it onto the battlefield face down. It's a 3-3 with, whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, make a copy of that card and cast it without paying its mana cost. And then if the creature would leave the battlefield, you exile it instead. So it's like the spell lives on the battlefield. And every time we hit, we get to cast a copy of it. So we're not going to get a million 
chances to cast it. It's a lot of hoops. We want to give the team haste, easy enough to do. We definitely want to make this little spelly thing unblockable. So I think the perfect card for it is key to the city. It's a two mana artifact and we tap to discard a card. Perfect. We're going to discard a seven, eight mana spell. I don't know, in Garrick's Wake, something like that. And target creature can't be blocked. That little spell that I so I'm going to discard in Garrick's Wake oh no but I have to target a creature when I do that so I can't I can't use in Garrick's Wake at the same time okay so anyway I'll discard another future spell for this purpose but uh and then I will you put in Garrick's Wake make that one can't be blocked it's got haste there you go I think the potential is very strong so here's an interesting part of the Unfinity set is that I never looked at the attractions really honestly I ignored Unfinity it came out I was like I don't have time for this and I mostly just skimmed it. But the attractions, if you remember the other unset, are like contraptions. You bring a little deck of attractions with you. These are like the theme park, well, attractions. The rides, the stands, the kiosks. 22 of them are legal in Commander. And here's how they work. When you have attractions, you have to bring a deck of 10 minimum. You can bring all 22 legal ones, but you have to bring at least 10. And they have to have unique names. You can't double them up. They're singleton. They have to have unique names, but they don't have to have the same picture or card. I'll tell you why this is relevant in a second. Because along the side, they have a bunch of colored number lights, one through six. It represents rolling dice. And the ones that are lit up are hits, and the ones that are turned off are misses. All attractions hit on a six, all of them miss on a one, and they all hit on some other numbers, perhaps an additional number, perhaps two additional numbers. But different versions of each attraction, you can get different versions that have different lights lit up. We can engineer our attraction deck so that all of the numbers basically match, so that when we do hit, we hit big. So here's Myra. Myra the Magnificent is a four mana, is it two four? Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, open an attraction. Opening an attraction means putting it from that little attraction deck into play. It's now an artifact on the battlefield. If anything happens to it, it goes to the junkyard, which is like its own graveyard. Can't be interacted with outside of that. We probably want to keep it lean. We probably want to stick to 10 because there's a lot of clunkers out there. Like there's ones like, oh, whenever you visit this attraction, scry one. Did I talk about visiting? Here's how you visit. Every turn during your first main phase, you, at the beginning of your first main phase, you roll a die to visit attractions. You roll one die. Whatever that number comes up, you hit all the attractions. You're not rolling for each attraction. You're rolling for the batch of them. So as you get a ton of attractions, like I said, let's say we engineer them so they're all five and six. They all hit on six and we'll pick the ones that also hit on five. And again, we have the choice of multiple ones within each printing like like that scry one there's one that scries one i probably don't include that one in the deck but that one hits on a six and a four or a six and five or a six and three so i would pick the six and five i want all these to be six and five if they want to throw in a four i'll take a four as well but i'm I'm six and five is most of them have two and that's what i'm looking for in addition myra can also pay x tap exile an instant or sorcery with mana value x or less from your graveyard oh exactly x i i added that by instinct. X from your graveyard and choose an attraction you control that does not already have a midway counter on it. Put a midway counter and then when you visit that attraction, copy the exiled card. You may cast the copy without paying for it. So it's like we're investing in a spell for the future. I'm going to pay two for my little draw spell now and it's going to go on an attraction. 
let's say the food, the hot dog stand. I forget what it's called. That one makes food tokens. And then whenever I roll a five or a six, because that's what I've picked, I get to do that draw spell. And as I collect spells, since I'm trying to concentrate all the hits in one, I will hit all of those spells at once. And I only open attractions when I cast spells from hand, but a little cantrippy stuff, it's easy and is it? I will be able to open all my attractions in no time. So let's talk about some attractions. Again, a lot of them are pretty lame, but Hall of Mirrors, interestingly, Hall of Mirrors, I, our only choices are two and six or four and six. Anyway, maybe we pick four for this. Um, I'll get to why in a second. Whenever you visit this, you choose a creature you control and each other creature you control becomes a copy of that creature until end of turn, except it's not legendary. So like now the potential here, we could have stuff like Goblin Electromancer. Now all our spells are way cheaper. It's like a little brutoclad in the swinging ship. Also, the best we can do is four. We got four and six. Whenever we visit it after the first combat step, there's an additional combat phase. And at the beginning of that combat, untap all of the creatures that attacked this turn. The flavor text is excellent. It says, I, fe I feel just like Kari Zev. Ragavan, set a course for Lothnu. Pretty fun. And then something like Trash Bin. It's a simple one. Whenever you visit, you mill two and you return a random card from your graveyard to your hand. We have to have a few of these random ones that don't do a ton. There just isn't the quantity of excellent, excellent ones. Uh, this one, we get to do that five, but I'm thinking, um, now that I'm looking more closely, we might have to go four and six. The reason I want to go for the higher of the two numbers is because of stuff like Barbarian class. It's that enchantment that on the first one, whenever you roll a die, you instead roll two and discard the lower one. It doesn't let you choose one. You have to discard the lower one. So if we roll, if all of our attractions are fives and sixes, or now that I'm talking about it, fours and sixes, if we roll a five, well, I guess that does make sense. If we roll like a five and a four, then we have to discard the four and we have to pick the five, which means we miss on all our fours. I would love it if it was five and six. Maybe that's why they did it this way. All the lame ones work on five. Lame. They're not like lame. lame. And I think it all comes down to Storybook Ride. Storybook Ride is my favorite of these. This is kind of the main reason for it. This one gets three hits, but either two, five, six or three, four, six. So I think I'm going to stick with the four, get the three, four, six. So whenever you visit this one, you exile X cards and then you can play them until the end of the turn. You have to pay for them, but X is equal to the number of attractions you visited this turn, including this one. So if we do it and we hit all of our attractions at once, we just put this on the stack last and we get to exile 10 cards and play them until end of turn. If we made all those copies of Goblin Electromancers, then all of our instants are going to be super cheap. It's fun. It's tempting. This has been a long episode so far. And just so you're aware, we are getting to the, we're in the latter half of things. Uh, I'm going to keep going. Thanks for sticking with it. Game Night came out too. That's the one that's like, so you're just five monocolored decks. You're supposed to battle your friends. It's a bit of a casual introductory thing, like, like a board game. It's supposed to sit on your shelf like a board game. You're not supposed to take these apart but we're looking at taking them apart there's one new card commander for each of those monocolored decks two of them are real interesting well, maybe real is too strong but i'm going to mention zamriel seraph of steel it's a four mana white one it's flying three four and as long as it's your turn equipped creatures you control have indestructible and then the blue one is a goad one two blue blue three four siren two and a blue goad target creature and whenever that creature attacks an opponent this turn you draw a card i probably would want to put these in other decks they're out they're new gotta mention it. okay we're up to brothers war we are now up to chronologically now we're up to now 
this set is out now. This is the set now. And so here we go. Gix Yogmoth Praetor. Oh, I didn't get a chance to brew this one. One black black Praetor 3-3. Three, three. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may pay one life. And if they do, they draw a card. Incentive to keep Gix on the battlefield is there. They needed this because the ability is massive. Four black 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 discard X cards. Exile X cards of target opponent's library. You may play lands and cast spells from among them without paying their mana costs. Your opponents will never let you untap with all this mana to do this. They should. We're going to set ourselves up though. We want to we run stuff like Reliquary Tower, no max hand size. We want stuff like Grim Hera Specs so that whenever creatures are dying on our board, we're drawing cards. We want to do the whole, all that shenanigans. It's going to look like one of those decks with tons of sacrificing, tons of sack outlets. Whenever creatures die, we're drawing cards all over the place. That's the main thing. So that when we drop Gix, we have so many cards to discard. We have to pay the mana to do it. We have to pay seven mana to activate it, but that is not dependent on how many cards we discard. If we have an empty hand, we pay seven mana to do nothing. We wouldn't do it. But if we've got like 15 cards in hand, ooh, it's going to be good. We probably want stuff like Dark Ritual to get that boost of mana. We probably want Black Market. Whenever a creature dies, put a charge counter. And then at the beginning of your first main phase, you get an extra Black Mana for each charge counter. The reason I'm thinking about Mana Accelerants is because I want to cast and activate Gix all at once. That costs 10 mana to do. But the beauty is we're just waiting to pull that trigger. I'm never casting Gix until I'm ready to go. And if this game goes long, maybe I've got the Mana the hard way with like lands. Maybe I got some non-budget stuff going on. Maybe I made a couple of proxies. I'm doing the like Urborg. Everything's a swamp. All my swamp tap for more of that kind of business i also didn't get to brew on flip titania and flip titania seems very strong and easy to do it's a three mana three four to start and to flip it you have to have four lands in the graveyard and you have, a, have to have a special non-basic land in play tutoring up non-basics is trivial crop rotation expedition map there's a million ways to do it and then when she flips she becomes a vigilance reach trample haste star star with the number of lands you control and as well return all lands from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped so all those lands we discarded, we're milling ourselves, we're just putting tons of stuff in the graveyard, and now this thing is massive. Haste, Trample, Vigilance, Reach. And then we can also pay four to put four plus one plus encounters on a land we control, and it becomes a zero zero elemental with haste, still a land. So we're just gonna turbo mill ourselves. We're gonna flip this thing in no time. I mean, if we mill the special land, no problem. We can pull lands out of the graveyard in green effortlessly. We have to get to our upkeep though. That's the key. Titania has to be around for our up, so I want a way to flash her in. Pretty easy to do in green. Okay, that's almost it. The only thing that also came out was Jumpstart. We also got Jumpstart. See what I mean? There's a billion cards came out this year. Jumpstart gave us Agris Koss, not Argus Koss. Agris Koss, Eternal Soldier. This is a four mana Zada, basically. It's a three mana with a Boros ability. Four mana, three, four, Boros ability for one and a Boros. Whenever this card becomes a target of a spell, if the spell targets only Agris Koss, you may pay one and a Boros. If you do, copy that ability for each other creature you control. Each copy targets a different one of those creatures. It's the Zada effect, except we have to pay for it. it sucks to have to pay for it, so we're not going to be able to chain together like 100 little red spells like we do with Zada. But we have access to white. I haven't brewed up a Zada deck in quite some time. But Traitor's Greed is from M21. And it is a staple undoubtedly in every Zada build. And this one too. Three and a red sorcery. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap it. It gains haste until end of turn. Great. It basically gives everything haste. Also, add two mana of any one color. That's the money. We're copying that effect. So we're spending four. 
we're also spending two with Agris. We've spent six, but we're getting back dozens. This will allow us to actually chain together a whole bunch of spells. And from Jumpstart, we also got Rodolph Duskbringer. 20 bucks. I guess all these original ones are pretty pricey. What's Agris? Agris is going for, oh, a buck. This is Boros. Sorry, Boros. Rodolph Duskbringer, six mana, four, four, flying death, touch lifelink. Whenever you gain life, you get indestructible here. And at the beginning of your end step, you can put a creature from the graveyard back onto the battlefield. You pay one and an Orzhov to do it, and it has to be mana value X or less, where X is the amount of life you gain this turn. Two mana to get virtually anything back. Gaining the life in EDH is very easy. And to get virtual anything back is very, very strong. Six mana to cast, two mana to activate. We only get to do it once because it's an at the beginning of Rand step, you may do this once. I think just just easily the best companion for this, I say companion, I mean Lieutenant Commander, Ailey Eternal Pilgrim. This is the two mana legendary cleric, two, three, with death touch. But with Ailey, we get to pay one to sack another creature. We gain life equal to the creature's toughness. Right away, we've put something in the graveyard and we've gained life. So we might be able to do whatever we want with Rodolph already. We also have the bonus ability to pay one black, white, and sack another creature to exile anything. We can only do that if our life total is 10 more than our starting life total. But like, committed players know Ailey is very strong, generally. If you've got Ailey sitting in the command zone, people aren't going to let you go nuts. They're not going to let you keep your life total 10 higher than its starting life total. But if they see Rodolph, they might not think about Alien. They might be like, well, I'll let you gain some life here or there. I'm not going to. I mean, they usually come at you if you gain life because you have the most life. But they don't work so hard to make sure you're under that threshold. Then we drop Alien and we're going to town. Gang, you made it to the end. We made it to the end. I also had a role in this podcast, and I also made it to the end. And man, this is long. I haven't edited this yet, but the recording time is like over an hour. I hope I can get it to under an hour. Anyway, really do appreciate you sticking around and listening to all this. Uh, thank you. Well, what a great year it's been. I think there's been some very cool commanders that have come out. I am overwhelmed for sure. I don't, I know that it is possible to overprint things to like burn people out, but you don't have to brew around all of them. The biggest problem I'm having is just mentally keeping track of everything. There was a time where I kind of knew all the cards, like whatever you showed me, I'd be like, is this that thing that does something like this? I'd get the details wrong, but I kind of knew what it did. There are now many cards that are just, I'm clueless to what they do. It's like I'm reading them for the first time. And I think that can be a good thing. It can be fun to sit down at a table and someone flips over a commander. You're like, huh, I have no idea who that is. I've never thought about this commander before. I mean, I might have thought about it. I probably did because I, I read them all at some point, but then I promptly forget them. But I think it could be neat to be like, this is going to be a treat. I'm going to see this deck do something I've never seen before. And if you're a player who likes to do stuff that your opponents haven't seen before, and it's kind of the whole purpose of this channel, I love to brew up decks that are a little bit different. Hopefully, I like to do things that are new to me, and I love showing other players new things you can do as well. That's why the channel exists. So there's never been a better time for it. I do hope that Wizards continues to print plenty of commanders, but let's not do any more this time, okay? All right, I'll see you next time. In the meantime, though, you keep being you. World is a better place for